Fitness Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. Hello and welcome to Football Co Business Podcast. On this show, our guest is Jane Fernandez, Chief Operating Officer for Australia for the FIFA Women's World Cup Australia and New Zealand 2023. I say our guest, as for this show, I've handed hosting duties over to Morgan Brennan, head of Football Co's women's football brand Indivisa. Morgan is speaking to Jane about preparations for this summer's tournament, from the bid process to how it is they're reaching fans, especially in the UK and the US. Morgan and Jane also discuss the legacy of the 2022 Women's Euros and how Australia's own identity is coming through in its marketing. That's enough from me. Over to Morgan. So Jane, it's great to meet you. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. I would love to start by just going right back to the start of the bid, the bidding process. I mean, obviously, I think at the time of recording this, we are approximately 107 days out from the Women's World Cup. So it is coming around really fast. But I guess it would be amazing to go back to the very start when that decision was made and kind of the process there. Yeah, well, you've... um taken me right back to 2017 actually when we started bidding so I've been on this project for a really long time but I often reflect in that on that moment when we're all in the room there at the Football Australia offices waiting with anticipation to see if we were going to be successful to host the FIFA Women's World Cup of course with New Zealand and thankfully we were I don't think I've ever jumped that high in my life probably will never again Uh, maybe at the final maybe I will at the final let's see (laughs) but it was um, absolute joy relief um, it was a huge, huge effort by so many people to even get us to that point. So to be able to pull off the win um, for so many people uh, was just pure excitement. I'm, I'm still, I'm still claiming I definitely outjumped Alana Kennedy that night. Yeah, those photos are amazing. I think um, I was a very proud Australian when I saw those those photos that we had won the bid. So yeah, I guess sort of how confident were you that that, that was going to be a successful joint bid? Um, and do you think there was anything that sort of swung it in your favour? Look, I suppose, look, you never know until the vote is cast. Um, what I would say is we were always really confident in the proposal we were putting together. And then you're right in that we were bidding Australia only for quite a long time. And then after the success of the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup, um, the FIFA president took a decision to increase the number of teams. So for the first time, this will be a 32-team tournament. And it was at, at that point in time where um, discussions moved forward rapidly with New Zealand to put together a, a bid um, for the Asia-Pacific, Asia so a really strong bid. Um, we knew that we were able to deliver a tournament of first, which is exactly what we will be doing um, in just a couple of months. So we were confident in the proposal we were confident in what we could do for the game by hosting a FIFA Women's World Cup in the Southern Hemisphere. And we were confident of uh, the fans, of football lovers, but also of proud Australians and Kiwis uh, to get behind the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that people were surprised that Australia and New Zealand had won the bid to, to host the Women's World Cup? I think they were probably pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I think, uh, well, at the end of the day, it came down to Australia, New Zealand um, and Colombia. So whilst there were, I think, nine or 11, I can't remember, um, bids at the start, slowly countries um, pulled out of the race. And uh, so I think, you know, between looking at the bid and, and analysing um, the attributes of both bids, I think fans, stakeholders, those that love major events um, would have been very comfortable with the decision. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously we're coming into this off the back of last year's Women's Euros, which was a huge success. Huge is there anything, success. 
Is there anything that you've learned from that, um, these learnings that you've taken in from maybe like a logistics or an operations point of view or a marketing point of view from the Euros 22? Uh, I mean, what an amazing tournament, just um, phenomenal, unbelievable broadcast numbers, full house for the final and for other matches as well. Um, And I think, you know, we're always learning, we're always reviewing what other major tournaments have done. Little, uh, you know, it's always about the one percenters. I think Mm -hmm. um, definitely from a marketing perspective, that power of storytelling is something that we're very focused on and we know they did that so well during the Euros. I think the momentum behind women's football um, took us to a certain point and then the Euros have absolutely exploded that. So our turn now is to take the baton and to, to take it even further really. Um, but we have a really compelli- compelling marketing plan that has been developed. There's a lot of exciting things in the pipeline. We've already achieved a lot of great things. Um, we had our um, Unity pitch that's been travelling right around Australia and New Zealand, which is bold and bright and really captures the spirit of our game, the spirit of our countries as well, and, of course, the spirit of our people. It brings community together through football, which is exactly what the, what we want the FIFA Women's World Cup to do. Um, there's been so many amazing milestones. We've launched Tazuni, our fantastic mascot, who is absolutely loved right around the world. Um, we have the posters have been launched. That's the poster for the actual tournament, but also each host city has a poster. So there's colour, there's action, there's excitement right across Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, for sure. And you, you spoke about the spirit of our countries. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, I've heard that this is one of the biggest sporting events in that part of the world since like Sydney 2000. And yep. um, I was just wondering, like, do you, from from your point of view as a as a fellow Antipodean, like, do you think that this tournament is already going to be unique and memorable in the sense that it is being hosted by Australia and New Zealand and, and that is different with our sort of attitude to sportsmanship and, as you said, kind of the mascots, all of it, I think it's already going to be very unique. It will be absolutely unique. Uh, look, we love major events in this part of the world. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, people get out and support, but there is something really special and very unique about a FIFA Women's World Cup. Even from the moment when, you know, I, I took up the challenge to to lead the bid, it always felt very purposeful. This is much greater than just a women's sporting event. It, it is the biggest women's sporting event in the world. It will be the biggest event we have hosted here since the Sydney 2000 Olympic Games, but it's much greater than this. Um, Beyond greatness is the tagline for the event, and we know greatness feeds greatness. We are going to see the best footballers in the world performing here in our own backyard. It is going to inspire, it's going to empower, and it's going to entertain. Um, People are going to have so much fun at this tournament. It is really going to take everyone beyond greatness. I can't wait to see so many young boys and girls fans in the stands cheering and supporting these unbelievable uh, heroes that are going to be created through hosting the tournament down here. It's definitely going to be a unique experience. It's going to be very special and absolutely memorable. So obviously outside of Australia and New Zealand, there's a huge audience um, in the Northern Hemisphere, especially in the US and the UK for women's football. So what are your plans for reaching those fans um, from sort of a, a coverage and a content point of view? Yeah, well, look, we've already seen uh, from ticket sales, so 650,000 tickets are gone. And looking at the international sales component of that, the USA and the UK are the two top countries that have purchased tickets. So I think we're already doing a really good job at promoting the tournament globally, uh, partnering with our tourism bodies to be able to do that. Uh, What a great opportunity to um, advise the world that we're open for business again. You know, post-COVID, I love this term revenge travel. 
and mm-hmm. it looks like people are absolutely running with that. Uh, we weren't able to leave or go anywhere for such a long time. And uh, people are making the, t- the decision to actually travel and what a better way to do it than to come to the FIFA Women's World Cup. We have a trophy tour that's taking place at the moment. It's visiting every single country that's participating in the tournament. And that is definitely um, exciting every single country that's playing, plus also those that are going to be watching. You know, we're projecting an audience of 2 billion people. Um, so this is absolutely going to have the eyes on the world on the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. My um, my football team in London is already planning the the breakfast watch parties that we're going to be organising. So people are definitely getting very, very excited. Oh, um, absolutely. I mean, the lionesses, look out. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I mean, talking about players, we can't talk about a World Cup in Australia and New Zealand without talking about Sam Kerr. So how much does, you know, a profile of a player, a player like Sam and others, um, help you to get fans excited for the summer? Well, the Matildas um, not long ago were, um, were chosen as Australia's most loved national team. So, of course, they're a really strong brand. People are behind them. They want to see them do well and they're excited whenever they come to town to play. They're about to play um, in London, actually. So we're all looking, uh, looking absolutely focused on their performance and how they go. But yes, absolutely, it helps. But, you know, there's a huge participation base here in Australia. Um, so the game is absolutely loved. We're a huge sporting nation. So not only do we love football, but we love, you know, all going to all sporting events. So I think that's put us in a really strong position, um, you know, to fill the stands and also, of course, to welcome the world to to our shores. And I think, you know, Sam Kerr and the Socceroos more recently in, in Qatar have done an amazing job at kind of getting Australia and soccer back in people's minds on a global stage. So aside from kind of the host nations, how important has it been sort of activating individual star player power? So we spoke about the Lionesses, obviously the US national team as well, kind of getting those teams activated as well. Yeah, look, the more that the key um, players talk about the tournament, it improves the visibility, not just of the tournament, also of the game, as does broadcast of the game as well. You know, the more we see it, the more we know we can be it. Um, So I think that's absolutely driving attention and awareness that the tournament is coming. And we can see that through ticket sales. You know, the fact that we've sold so many at this point in time is just phenomenal. We have a target of 1.5 million people in the stands watching the tournament. Um, So we're 100% on track to do that. But the more support we can get, the more people talking about it, posting about it, um, absolutely, it's, um, it's a really important part of the overall marketing program. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure all the players are very, very excited as well to be meeting again. So speaking about the Euros, when we spoke to Kaylee Greaves, she mentioned that there is a disparity between the kind of higher profile and lower profile teams. So is there anything specifically that you're doing for fans in those nations that are less likely to bring a lot of traveling support and have fans in the Mm. stands? Yeah, we have this fantastic multicultural program that was launched just last week. We've partnered um, with an agency to help us bring this to life. And we did this really well when we hosted the AFC Asian Cup in 2015 here in Australia. We have cultural ambassadors representing all uh, all of the teams that are playing in the tournament. And that's really ensuring that we are communicating in language to these teams, um, that we're making sure that they know all about the tournament, that they feel part of it and that they're ready to welcome their teams to to Australia and also to New Zealand as, as well. You know, we want everyone to adopt a second team. I think that's also going to be super important. 
and it's also going to build the hype and the awareness and the excitement around the tournament as well. So it's an absolute, absolutely critical part of, of the marketing plan that we're seeing come to life right in time for 100 days to go. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to kind of balance, you know, making the most of the opportunity in countries like UK and US where there's already an established kind of female soccer fan base, but also balancing the growth in those those smaller territories where there is a smaller audience still and it's still a growing game. I totally agree. And, you know, we all know there's eight debutantes for the first time. We've got, you know, countries like Philippines, Vietnam playing in a FIFA Women's World Cup, um, which again is it's a great testament to, one, the increasing the number of teams in the tournament because, you know, in the past maybe these teams may not have had a chance to qualify. It also shows the investment that FIFA has made of over a billion dollars into into the development of the women's game is absolutely seeing the rewards. So I think it's going to be really exciting to see, you know, new stars, new heroes, um, teams we haven't seen before playing on the world stage. Yeah, it's always exciting to to see which team ends up being sort of like the global favourite, the, the underdog that everyone gets behind. There's always one. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. So speaking about the ticket sales, it could be suggested that you've already sort of cracked the UK and the US with fans being some of the biggest buyers of tickets. Hey, there's room for more. There's room (laughs) for more for sure. (laughs) So how do you think that's happened? Oh, look, I think um, there's a number of things. I think, as you rightly said, the the focus and the awareness and the love of the national teams of both of those countries, absolutely football-mad nations, USA um, being uh, being the champions from 2019 that brings with it a crowd or following. So of course they will be coming. The Lioness is winning the Euros. Again, that brings a following with it. But I also think it's a New Zealand and Australia are countries people want to visit. You know, it's a great opportunity to follow your nation, follow your team, but also have a great holiday at the same time. So I think it's a perfect recipe. Um, yeah, and I think that is why, you know, so many tickets have been sold to these um, football mad nations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think you mentioned COVID earlier and Australia sort of being, Australia and New Zealand sort of being locked away from the world for a wee yeah. while. Um, and there's obviously a lot of expats and, and Brits and Americans living in Australia and, and vice versa. So I think it's probably amazing timing that people are now able to travel there and there's a World Cup and they can visit their family while they're out there. So it feels like a very happy recipe for success. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really does. And I think you're exactly right. We were locked away for so long. So finding moments to come together, and this is what sport's about. Sport's about community. It's about belonging. It's about connection. So, and this is why I love major sporting events. It brings everyone together to celebrate, uh, to have a conversation, which is why it's also a perfect platform to drive social change. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I just absolutely can't wait to see Everyone here in 2023 filling the stands and um, and cheering together. I was at the Qatar World Cup and I'll never forget being at the Soccer Rizzi Argentina match and the beautiful songs of the Argentinian fans was just something I will always remember. Yeah, for sure. It's very special seeing everyone come together. So some of the research that we've done around Gen Z fans shows mm. that their appetite to football is very different to older fans. So is there anything specific that you're doing to reach, you know, younger fans or different demographics for this Women's World Cup? 
Yeah, well, I'm definitely well out of the Gen Z uh, category, but um, we do have a number of Gen Zs here in the office, so it's great to always uh, take their advice on how we should be doing things a little bit differently. But I think this comes down to the development of the marketing plan, and it's about moving it as we head towards 100 days to go from a football brand to more of a cultural movement. And I think that involves including you know, music, art, culture, but of course, football as the platform that really underpins all of it. So I think it's ensuring that we're using channels that the Gen Zers are really um, tapping into um, and really listening to their voices because um, they're the ones that are going to take this forward. They're the future. And so I think it's super important that we absolutely use the platforms that they're engaged with. And our marketing team's done a phenomenal job in doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting what you say about, you know, making it more of a cultural brand or a cultural moment, I think a lot of the content that we see that performs really well for us on our women's brand is around those adjacencies to which is music, yeah. tech, um, the kits, the fashion, the lifestyle, all of that. I think that all helps get people very excited for the football itself. Oh, I totally agree because it's, um, you know, the games are, be phenom- are going to be phenomenal. It's going to be the best football in the world played right here in Australia and New Zealand, but we're also focused on taking this tournament out of the stadiums and for the first time we're going to have fan festivals. And so, again, another opportunity within each host city to, for people to experience other elements around the FIFA Women's World Cup and the fan festivals are going to be able to provide that to all the fans. Yeah, absolutely. And I think all of the uh, individual host cities are all so interesting and unique and they all have something so different to bring to the tournament, which is very exciting. Totally, absolutely. And so on that, um, how important are sort of real life events and community activations that sit alongside the tournament or in the lead up? Oh, look, they're all important because this is all, they're all really important engagement opportunities. So focused on, you know, grassroots, making sure that they are part of the journey towards the FIFA Women's World Cup. We have a schools program that will also engage not just in classroom education, but also in absolutely playing the game as well. The cultural program, as I referenced, you know, that's a really critical element of community that we want to bring along um, on the journey. And it's it's making sure that, you know, yes, on the pitch, it's going to be amazing, but also off the pitch, ensuring that we are bringing community together, all parts of community, and really taking the tournament out of the stadiums and into the, into the communities. It's so important, such an important part of the FIFA Women's World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went to school in Sydney and I remember being in primary school during Sydney 2000 and it was a it was an absolute takeover of the curriculum. It was um yeah. It was amazing though. We felt very involved and you know, we all attended as a class and everything. It's a very sort of fond core memory of mine. So I think it's a amazing special to kind time. Of, yeah, it's, include it's, that it's in really, the schooling. It's a, it's a time that people are going to look back on and they're going to talk about where were you when? Where were you when Sam Kerr backflipped right across Stadium Australia after scoring the winning goal. You know, it's these types of moments. These are the types of stories that people are going to be telling, family members, grandkids, you know, friends. Um, and it's a, it's a moment that you just don't want to miss out on. You want to make sure that you are there in the stands and really absorbing everything that's going on around you. It's going to be a very unique and a very special Women's World Cup. Yeah, I agree. So speaking about community, um, when it comes to media and coverage, there's obviously always a lot of attention for those bigger networks and, and more mainstream publishers. But would you say that with the women's game specifically, including the World Cup, it's often driven by independent media, community brands, grassroots initiatives as well? And, and if so, are you engaging with them in a different way? 
Yeah, I mean, goodness, we can look back at a time when women's football didn't grab headlines and wasn't spoken about. And, you know, I take my hat off to all of those trailblazers that kept telling the stories, kept promoting the game, because without their help, we wouldn't be where we are today. I think it's really important that we continue to engage with those people. As you say, I think it's really um, about um, values-led relationships. It's about trust. It's about ensuring that we can work together and provide access to stories to really support them on their journey. But again, they often tell a different story. You know, they're telling stories from the grassroots. They're telling stories from their own personal experience and engagement, which may be different to what you see in the mainstream. So I think their stories are so critical and so important. Um, and yeah, absolutely, they're definitely part of our of our planning to ensure that we're capturing all elements um, of the FIFA Women's World Cup and engaging all all areas. Um, like what you said about the Gen Zers, right? So that's it's another part of the community that we need to ensure that we're connecting with. I mean, I think connection um, is super important, especially especially for the, these people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also looking looking past the World Cup once it's over, it's those communities that will sort of carry on that momentum and the participation from a grassroots side. You really want them to be engaged, obviously, as as they're going to be the ones that that make the change and keep the game growing in Australia and New Zealand. So, Oh, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, after the Women's World Cup, we want to ensure that there is a strong legacy globally, regionally and locally. And uh, by engaging all elements of community, we're going to make sure that that happens. So I think that's almost all from me. But before we go, what would your message to fans be who are undecided about watching the Women's World Cup? Why should they watch it? Honestly, this will be the most amazing FIFA Women's World Cup of all time, the greatest, the largest. I just think that this is a World Cup that you do not want to miss out on. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to come together. It's a time to really be part of that momentum, that forward shift of the growth of the FIFA Women's World Cup. You don't want to regret missing out on this one. So absolutely book your tickets and get down here. Yeah, I completely agree. I cannot wait. The countdown has really begun for me. Um, Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was amazing to chat. I am very excited and it was a really interesting conversation to have with you. Thank you for having me. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football.